welcome to the Kingdom Truth Podcast. On our podcast, we teach the good news of Jesus Christ and biblical principles that empower all people with real-life, timeless applications. I am your host, Bible teacher, Yolanda Tyler. Well, praise the name of the Lord, everybody. We are so glad that you guys could join us today. We are blessed to have a beautiful lady joining us. Her name is Donna Harris. I met Donna about eight years ago at our previous church, and we have become the best of friends. I am so honored that Donna could join us today on the podcast. Donna Harris was born in Chicago, Illinois. She was the third oldest child. Donna grew up in a non-Christian home. Her mother was a single parent, but Donna did have a relationship with her father. As a young child, Donna remembers her grandmothers taking care of them while her mom was traveling. Her mom was a model at the time. Then one day, her mother moved them out of their apartment into a house with her boyfriend. Donna was seven years old then. Her mother stopped working and began drinking alcohol. Immediately, Donna noticed her mother's boyfriend started looking and staring at her very strangely. And then he started walking around with less and less clothes on. He also started giving her plenty money and instructing her to stay quiet. She told her mom about it, but her mom's boyfriend said she lied and that she stole the money. Her mom's reaction was that she locked her up in the basement. Then one day, Donna was at home alone with her mother's boyfriend, he made some vulgar remarks to her about sex. After telling her mom, she was locked again in the basement for about three days without any food. She then learned out of her fear to stay quiet. Her mother's boyfriend continued to give her money. Then he retired from the Chicago transit system. And everything went downhill very, very quickly thereafter. Thank you, Donna, so much for joining us today. And please share your story with the listening audience. My goodness, where do I start? Like you said, we lived in Chicago. Uh, My mother traveled a lot for work. So we lived with my aunt prior to her moving with us. uh, We would be at my grandmother's house all the time. And finally, one day she came home and pretty much told us that we were moving into a house. And that was it. I think within the week we were out the apartment and moved into a house on the south side of Chicago. I feel like immediately, probably even like that same week, it was it was going to go down bad. I would see her boyfriend like get glaring at me, staring, licking his lips, mo- like moaning right away. I knew something was off. What it was, I had no idea of what was coming. No idea. So next thing you know, um, he's walking around the house and doing every time he would walk past me or in the space with me without anybody else around, he would like be moaning or 
licking his lips or or something. It was always something. And it just went on from there. I dreaded coming home from school because he would come home from work shortly thereafter. Even as a little kid, I just dreaded it. My mother stopped working, which I saw as a plus and a negative because when she stopped working, she started drinking and always in that room with him. So it, it was it was just a completely different relationship than we had when we were at our own place. And at a time like that, believe me, kids don't think about, oh, we live in an apartment, we're moving to a house because that apartment was home and it was safe. So I just knew something was was really wrong. Now share with me, Donna, you uh, mentioned this before, how at first you were able to go in your room and lock your door, but then it got to a point where he started um, removing the door to have open access to you. Right. So as he, as time went on a very short time, he would walk around like just no shirt on. Then it went to no shirt or no pants. And then whenever like my brother wasn't home, cause his room was two steps from my room. So when he wasn't home or if he would get the chance when he was home, like my mother was there a lot of times, but she was in our attic area where she kept all of her stuff, sewing or whatever. So if, if, if the coast was clear in his eyes, he would walk around completely naked. So I felt like he did it mostly when I'm in my room. So I tried to avoid being in my room. So I didn't want to see him. So I would close my door at night. So I would hear him creeping through the holes. So I would close my door or either put my chain on my bedroom door. And so I was told I couldn't do that. Don't put that chain on that door. And I kept closing the door and or putting the chain on. So next thing you know, he's removing the entire door. So I didn't have a door to my room. It was just like an open space. When we had to take our baths at night, he would come in the bathroom and, and use the bathroom while I was there in the bath and looking at me, masturbating or whatever, just complete um, fear. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I just knew something was going to happen, definitely. Because this is a behavior that's getting worse and worse. And you talked about once when your mother had to go and sit for a friend, how things started progressing very quickly. Oh, yeah. It, it was so many instances. I, it's almost impossible to remember everyone because all of them was horrible. I, I can't remember them all. But um, just when she go to help her friend down the live about four houses down um, and I would pretty much beg to go because there was always something going on. It was always I knew if I'm in that house with him, I'm in trouble in a sense where something was going to happen. He was going to do naked. I'm in trouble. Go get in the basement. It was always something. I'm going to get a, a whooping with the belt for no reason. Just something. It was always something. So on one occasion, I was left um, at home and I was alone. Uh, I'm not sure where my brother was. Most of the time he was with his friend because he was allowed to go outside and play and everything. So I could hear her boyfriend come in downstairs 
but I'm already trapped in my room. I don't have somewhere else, another room, because he's downstairs where I would try to be. So I just quietly sat sort of in the corner of my room because I knew he was down there and I didn't want him to have a reason to come up, but he did. And when he came upstairs after about 10 or 15 minutes after he came in, he came, I could hear the creeping of the stairs. I feel like I was very uh, well, like I would know every creep or every step in the, up in the stairway or the hallway. And I could hear him creeping up the stairs, but to my surprise, when he got up the stairs, he was completely naked. And that was the first time I was I was raped by him. There was no pause. It was just straight up the stairs into my room. Um, while he was downstairs before he got up there, I heard him calling out everybody's name. He called out for my mother. He called out for my brother. And I heard him say call out for me, but I didn't say anything. But when he got up those stairs, he was completely nude. Wow. Yeah. So um, my mother comes home and I'm sitting at the, the foot of the bed. I don't, I don't know where to go. I'm scared to go. I don't know where he went when he left out of my room. So I just sat there and I'm thinking he, he he's getting ready to kill me. And then my mother came in and she came up the stairs and saw the aftermath of this, of this attack. She could see blood everywhere on my bed, everywhere, every in my room, on the dresser, at the pole of my bed. Like I had a what they, I think it's called a vanity bed. So I had these long poles and they were white, but you could see like my blood handprint on the bed. You could see it all over, blood all over the covers. And she looks at me and she's, first she walks past, she looks at me and she walked past into the bathroom. And then she comes out and tells me to go take a bath. So while I'm in the tub, while I'm going to take the bath, I'm hearing whatever is going on. She said, do not get out that tub until I tell you to. So she was in my room cleaning it. I can hear her moving around in, a, in the room, but I didn't know she was cleaning it. Just sitting still. I didn't even want the water to move because I wanted, I wanted to hear like she's going to kill him. And, and I was hoping, like I was sitting there like she going to get a knife or something, uh, whatever it took he was so finally when I get out the tub I come in my room and it's completely clean for the most part. there were still areas in my room where it was a little blood or something but she had changed the sheets and everything and that was the first time uh, the attack happened she never spoke to me about it like she knew to me what happened in here she never said that she just was seemed like now probably just blocked it out or something or ignored it. Maybe I should say it that way. And then shortly thereafter, she ignores it. It never comes up again. And then the sexual abuse continues while yes. she's actually at home, correct? Yes. Yes. While she's actually, I think the attic became a space for her where she probably removed herself out of her own mind or something. I don't know. It was. That was just one of the things I did when I would be locked in that basement. Mind you, this scary, dark, pitch black basement. It was the same thing I would do. So I'm thinking that's what she did. I don't know how 
a woman can be in a house knowing her daughter, her little daughter, child is being abused sexually and, and still be in that house. I, I don't to this day understand that. So I can't really speak for her state of mind, but she definitely knew. And at that point, you were saying you thought they all wanted to kill you. Oh, yeah. I, I thought. I mean, I even though when I would be locked in the basement, my brother would like pass me food when he could. He would like pass me a sandwich or some bread with some butter on it. I was happy to get that. But outside of that, he didn't do anything to help me. And I don't I mean, I know he was a kid, too, but I didn't understand why he wouldn't do something like tell me to come with him or something. So I felt like all three of them wanted me to die. I thought they were just trying to figure out how to kill me and where they were going to put me. I thought they were going to bury me in that basement with a dog that was said to be buried down there. Absolutely. I thought that. Wow. So this continues. Let's fast forward a few years later. What is going on at the age then of 14? Well, I'm going to go back just before 14 because right before 14, I started kind of planning or practicing running away from home. And um, I didn't follow through with it because I didn't know nobody. I didn't I didn't get, get to go outside or anything. So I didn't know anybody. I just knew run away, get away. I just know get away. And so I had wrote a letter and it was like I wrote the letter, threw it on the stairs and I got in my closet before anybody would know what I did. You know, I had to put the letter somewhere where people see it and I can think only the stairs. So I threw the paper and it landed on one of the stairs and I hurry up to go get in the closet. But then I'm getting found. I got found in the closet and got a whooping and got put back in the basement. So I had got kind of in this mindset, especially when I was in the basement. I would like pretend like I'm not in the basement. So in my mind, I was just a normal person outside playing, you know, just normal girls that I seen at school or something or people outside when I would look out. I would be the one in the window looking out and I would be kind of pretend like I'm one of them. I don't know how I did it then, but that's almost exactly how I can can explain it. Wow. That was Um, almost like a survival technique. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because mind you, when I'm in the basement, there was no like toilet down there. So there was a few times, a time to where I was sent out the basement straight to school and I would have like dry urine on me. Jesus. it, It was just, it was crazy. Like, don't get up, don't go brush your teeth, get up, put on your coat and go to school. And I'm just everybody. Oh, I was definitely bullied in school because of my appearance alone. So uh, when I got to school, the first thing I did was go in the bathroom and drink water because I was so thirsty. And at lunchtime, I would just eat anybody's tray who would let me because I've been three days without eating already, Um, with the exception of a day where my brother, like I said, like if he's eating peanut butter and jelly sandwich, he'll give me his sandwich. He'll eat some of it. And when they walk out the room or something, he would ease the door open and like throw it on the floor. If he can, he would give it to me. He would throw it on the floor right there and I would come up and get it. Wow. So now 
you're in the basement, you're thinking about removing yourself from this situation. So how do you plan this escape or runaway? Okay, so I was just kind of in my head, like, I'm just going to uh, wait till everybody go to sleep and I'm just going to get out the door and just take off running. That was kind of the plan in my head because I knew if I'm caught, I'm going to get in trouble. So on this particular day, I actually ran. I was 14 years old and my mother was telling me to write the grocery list. And so she was in the attic. So I had to come off the third floor, actually, for where the bedrooms was. And then there's the fourth layer, I want to say, where the attic was. So got the pen and the paper, and I'm sitting at the top of the stairs at the attic, and my mother is up there telling me what to get, because I did all of the cleaning of the house, the groceries, whatever the house needed. So while I'm writing the list, her boyfriend says... Donna, get your ass down here now. And she looks at me and say, what did you do? I said, I didn't do anything. I was in my room and I just got the paper like you told me out my room. And she was like, hurry up back up here so I can finish my list. He was in their room. And when I turned the corner to come into the room, he uh, was laying in the bed naked, just masturbating himself, laying on his back with his legs up. And it was like... He didn't say nothing. He's just like making that, that sound like he was smoking weed, but he wasn't. He was just making that sound. It was that moment that I knew I was leaving that house. It was it was just not going to be different. I didn't think about running out the door. I knew that I had an opportunity with, when she sends me away to the store. The store was about a, a I don't know, about three to five mile walk. So she gives me the money. I go back upstairs and she was, she tells me to take this money and take the shopping cart and go. And I leaned that cart against the, the st we had a corner store right across the street. And right when I got past that store and I was out of view of that house, I leaned that cart up against that store and I just started walking. I didn't run. I didn't, I wasn't upset. I was free. I felt free in that particular moment. Amen. I wasn't crying. I wasn't nothing. I was just walking. And I knew I needed to get far away from that house and not in the direction of the store. So I just kept walking straight, like just kept going instead of turning off. Amen. God's hands is on our life. Amen. Before we even can conceive the thought of it. And you may not even see it right then. Everything happens for a reason. I was awarded a state of Illinois after that. And sitting at home in that moment, I was like, man, I don't want to be here. I want to be anywhere else but here. And it wasn't jail or nothing like that. It definitely wasn't. But even when you're awarded a state and you're going through a different process of what you've grown your young life to see, kindergarten, first grade, graduations and all this stuff you see, you don't experience it in that way, but you experience it. And you look back now and you see how God brought you out. Because in that moment, you're not going to see it. In that moment, you're going to see it. You can't see spiritual things in the flesh. Amen. You cannot. 
you can't interpret anything in the flesh. That's it's a whole spiritual fight. So it's so different. Like I, I encourage teenagers, kids that's water state, um, anybody who knows what I'm talking about, you live on a point system. It's totally different, but it's there to grow you, to keep your mind sane. They're, it, they're not against you. It seems like they are when you're sent, being sent home to home or group home to group home or however it's set up, but you're safe from an environment that was set up to kill you. Amen. Because I 100% believe that if I would have stayed in that house, I would definitely not be alive today. But the worst thing is, I feel like if I would have stayed in that house, I probably mentally would have just been suicidal, killed myself. But because I, I was still covered. Yes. Even back then, even, even when I didn't know nothing about church, that was not a house that even had a church program on it. I don't think I even seen a church program well to, to after I was well gone from that house. We never went to church, talked about God, a prayer, a church, or nothing. It was he was not acknowledged in that house. So I had no understanding, none whatsoever. But even back then, when I didn't know, God knew. Amen. He knew I was coming out of that situation. And he knew that this testimony was going to help somebody else. Absolutely. It's part, of my, it's part of my daily prayer. Only God gives the testimony. Only God. These things we go through is for God to get the glory. Amen. Not, not one other person, not the home that I ran away to, the policeman that picked me up for the being out too late under age, not nothing. It was God's covering Amen. that kept me. And he is the reason I am alive today. That is that that is without even questioning or thought. So, yeah, even when you're going through something in that moment, even as an adult, as a child, as a young adult, I don't care what you out there doing, what's happening. If you're alive where there is life, there is hope. You're still there. It, it don't matter what happened. It don't matter. you got to forgive and keep going. You got to be able to, you got to be able to make the choice to say, okay, I'm going to get out of this situation. Amen. It don't seem that simplified, but because of what I went through, I know I'm here today Amen. and it's only through the grace of God. Amen. I just want to uh, uh, speak more on the grace of God. Definitely. Because there were so many times in that house, so many times where I was in that basement, a dirty, dark place where nobody went. It was dog down there for God's sake. So I would say I was down there praying like a kid. I'm down there praying like the ghost of the dead dog come and get me to and kill me. Like, I'd rather be dead than in that basement in that sense. I wasn't suicidal, but I definitely didn't want to be in that basement no more. So the only thing all of the experiences taught me in that time was to be quiet and don't tell. Wow. If something is upsetting me, shut up and don't tell. If something hurt me, don't say nothing. Just that's all I ever thought about. Well, I want to say this now. Um, I want to say, tell this or tell that. I had so many balled up $20 bills in my boot because that's where I would keep all the money that he gave me. Because as a kid, if I don't go anywhere except to school, 
and back. And that's with my brother. Or where am I going to do? I can't tell her that he's giving me more money or I'm going to get locked in the basement. So I just filled up the boots. It was nothing else I could do. So I just learned how to shut up or be quiet. Don't tell. Nobody knows. And her best friend would come to the house. And even she knew something was wrong, but nobody told. No. So now I can see the slightest thing. And I'm telling you, better believe it. I, I would dare not think somebody is hurting a child and say nothing. Amen. I could, any any position I'm in, I don't care if I'm sitting in church, work, wherever. If I'm there and I see something that don't look right, I will speak up and say something 100% without hesitation because it was too many years I was made to shut up. I, it was too many of them. So I, I, so I can't shut up anymore. Yeah. I feel like before I got in church, I was boisterous and 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 loud. Well, then when I get in there, I'm going to still be the same way. It may come out different, but I'm still going to speak up, speak up for myself, something I wasn't allowed to do back then. So now as an adult, I speak up and I don't just speak up for myself. I speak up for anyone. And that is beautiful because the Bible tells us to speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves. Absolutely. I don't care what argument it's going to cause, but if it's the truth, well, guess what? Somebody is about to be set free because the, whoever is set free, that's it. And I, and I will, I will do it. I'll say it. I'll come, I'll come get you. I'll come help you. Anything I can do to any child or a woman that feel, can't tell, can't talk, then I'm going to speak up for that person. Always speak up for that person and myself, no matter what. Amen. This is a good time for you to go ahead and pray for those who can't speak up for themselves. And, um, yeah, and need somebody to speak or pray on their behalf. Okay, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we come to you today, Father, not asking for anything, Father, but first, God, acknowledging you as our Lord and Savior, Father. We thank you and we praise you, Father, for every single blessing. We thank you for this conversation today. We thank you for everybody that is going to hear this message, Father, and be delivered out of a situation moved out of, of a situation, Father, or, or given strength in the situation to leave. We thank you, Father, that we have uh, our voices to be heard, testimonies to be heard that changes lives, Father, that changes minds, the way we think, the way we do things, the, th the, the smoke screens that the devil put up in front of us, Father God, that that's not even real. He's using it to scare, and, and we have no fear. When we are in you, Father, we have no fear. The devil is a liar. He is the father of lies, and he he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, Father, we, we speak right now, and we agree right now in the name of Jesus, you can still come out of this situation. And I pray that every child, boy or girl, woman or man, that's in a situation where there's any type of abuse, Father, that they will be removed, Father. They'll come out with a sound mind in the name of Jesus. They will come out with a sound mind. You are a merciful God yes. and you cover us, Father. And we thank you. We thank you for everything you're doing right now, even as we begin to pray, talk, speak, or anything during, of, this, of this subject. We thank you, Father, for what you're already done. And Father, we thank you for what you're going to do. 
Hallelujah. What you're going to do going forward. Devil, we come to tell you that you are a liar. In every attack, whether it be spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, or otherwise, it is canceled in the name of Jesus. You have no power. All the power belongs to God. It is God, and he has the power, and he will remove any stronghold. If you can't tell your testimony, the devil will try to use it against you, and the devil is a liar. Speak from your mouth and tell people about the goodness of God because I can, you can forgive and you can be okay. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time. We look forward to coming back together to having this, finishing this conversation and let whoever's supposed to hear it, hear it, let it drop it into their spirit and let them remember these words when they're going through, when they're coming out. It can and it shall be done. We shall live and not die. We won't wither away. We won't. But the devil will try to make you feel like you are, but you won't. I declare the blood of Jesus against every demonic spirit right now. Father God, we thank you. We thank you and we praise you. And we pray this prayer and every prayer in Jesus' mighty, wonderful name. Hallelujah and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name. Donna, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And we appreciate your time. And we're looking forward to our next session. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Truth Podcast with Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler. Please subscribe to our podcast so you will know when the next episode is published. To hear more biblical teachings and give to support the ministry, please visit our website at www.thekingdomtruth.org. That is www.thekingdomtruth.org. God bless you until we meet again.